Good morning. My name's Roger Smith, and uh, I find it a great privilege to be up here to share the message with you this morning. Excuse me while I just sort the furniture out. (laughs) Today we uh, continue our series on essentials, and uh, today we're looking at atonement. And Barry has uh, found a little video uh, on YouTube, lasts about six minutes, and uh, it gives us quite a lot of what we need to know about atonement. And we're going to play it now. We all long for the world to be good, for people to live in peace, act with love and justice, but... There's a problem. Something compels us humans to constantly wreak havoc and destruction instead. And we call this evil. And from the Bible's point of view, evil ruins things in at least two ways. There's a direct effect of our evil. Like when someone steals from another person, they've created injustice. And therefore, they owe something to make it right. But there's another indirect effect of they've also ruined the environment of the relationship, creating a lack of trust, there's emotional damage. It's like vandalism, and they need to make that right, too. Now, many people believe, hey, God is good, he should be the one to just get rid of all the evil in the world. But let's be honest, I mean, the evil that I see everywhere out there, it's the same evil that's inside of me. We have all contributed, and we keep doing it. And so this kind of puts us in a bind. If God's going to rid the world of evil, he'll have to get rid of us. And this is what's so remarkable about the story of the Bible. This God is so good that not only is he going to rid the world of evil, he's going to do it without destroying humanity. So how is he going to do that? Well, early in the story of the Bible, we're introduced to this practice of animal sacrifice, which I know seems weird to us, but for the Israelites, it was a very powerful symbol of God's justice and of his grace. So remember, I'm a contributor to the evil that's in the world. I should be removed. But God is allowing this animal's life to be a substitute. It's symbolically dying in my place. And the biblical word for this is atonement, which means to cover over someone's death. But there's a second part to this ritual. Remember, evil also causes this relational vandalism. And in the Bible, this idea is described as polluting or defiling the land and making it unclean. So the priest would symbolically wash away the vandalism by sprinkling the animal's blood in different parts of the temple. So the animal's blood is cleaning things? Well, remember, this is a symbol, and it's a symbol that we're not used to. The blood represents life, and the sprinkling of the blood is this representation of how God is cleaning away these indirect consequences of evil in their community. In the Bible, this process is called purification. And so the temple and the land now become clean space where God and his people can live together in peace. So this ritual makes things right between Israel and God. And more than that, the Israelites experience God's love and his grace through these symbols. And by being forgiven, ideally, this would compel them to become people of love and grace too. Right, that's the ideal, but it wasn't always happening. Right. So the prophet Isaiah, for example, he talks a lot about this. He opens his book by saying that the continual sacrifices of the Israelites had become meaningless. 
because they were also allowing great evil in their midst, ignoring the poor and the oppressed. Even the Israelite kings were distorting justice. But Isaiah looked forward to a day when a new king from the line of David would come and deal with evil, but in a surprising way. The king would become a servant, and not just serve, but also suffer and die for the evil committed by his own people. And his life would be offered as a sacrifice. This was the promise Jesus believed he was fulfilling. He's the king of Israel suffering and dying on the cross. In fact, Jesus himself used Isaiah's words when he said that he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for men. And that word ransom refers to the sacrifice of atonement. And so all over the New Testament, we hear about how Jesus' death was an atoning sacrifice for us. It covered the debt that humans owe God for contributing to all of the evil and death in this world. But the New Testament authors also talk about Jesus' death as providing purification. And so we hear about Jesus' blood as a symbol of his life, having this ability to wash away the vandalism that evil has caused in us and around us, so we can now live at peace with God. So that's the meaning behind Jesus' death. But there's more to the story. Yeah, the New Testament makes this powerful claim that Jesus' death was not final. He rose from the dead. And so he's the sacrifice who broke the power of death and evil, which means that he lives on to offer his life to anyone who will accept it. He is the perfect sacrifice to which all the previous sacrifices were pointing all along. So because of Jesus, the early Christians stopped participating in the ritual animal sacrifice. But they were given new rituals. There are two that Jesus taught his followers to perform. The first is called baptism. Just as Jesus died, so going into the water becomes this personal connection you now have to his death. And in coming out of the water, you, so to speak, come back to life with Jesus. So baptism is this sacred ritual that joins your story to Jesus' death and his resurrection. The second ritual is called the Lord's Supper which is a reenactment of Jesus' last meal with his disciples, and he used bread and wine to portray his coming death as a sacrifice. And so now, followers of Jesus, they take the bread and the cup regularly to remember and to participate in the power of Jesus' death and in his life. So these rituals, they remind us of God's love and encourage us to live a life of love and grace. But they do more than that. They connect us to a new life source. The very power that brought Jesus back from the dead is the same power that can deal with the evil in our own lives and transform us into people who lead lives of love and peace. So that's the time. Thanks for all coming. <laughs> no, no. no, I do have a little bit more prepared for you. Bad luck. And uh, as I go through it, I'll probably recap on some of the stuff you've just, re- just seen. So, it is all about being saved. Saved to have the Holy Spirit in our life. Saved to have Jesus' love flowing through us. And saved to live eternally with God. And as you probably know, that a lot of people don't really understand this and um, find it difficult and I know uh, because I, I was one of them. And uh, just what, it is, what is it about being saved? What is it about giving up your Sunday morning uh, or your Sunday evening? Uh, for what? 
I spent a lot of my life trying to work it out. I wasn't sure there was a God and what went along with believing. Like a lot of people, I guess I was just cruising through life. Eventually I, I did start to look at life a little bit more seriously. Um, look a little bit deeper into it. Uh, to look at life and death. And uh, what was the meaning of life? And you'd be pleased to, know, pleased to know I did eventually find God. And guess what? He was there all the time. I wanted a relationship with him. And I wanted to be saved. And I gave my life to Christ August 1999. So what are your thoughts at the moment? Have you made that important commitment to Jesus? Are you at one with God? If you haven't taken that step of faith, take stock. Where is your life heading? If you want a full life, a life of, full of the wonders of God's love and grace, if you want to spend eternity with him, make that commitment as soon as you can, today even. But as you uh, listen to what you hear from uh, the front of the church, is the message clear enough? I know when I discuss some of what I've heard in sermons, it doesn't always seem to get taken in. I know I've missed the point on many occasions. But I'm amazed that some of the basic doctrines just haven't been picked up. I asked a person once, uh, a committed Christian, a, uh, a, someone who was a regular churchgoer, and we were talking about life and death. And the question I asked was, are you going to heaven? And the reply I got was, I hope so. Now, that's not the message we get from the pastor here almost every week. It's not the message we get when we sing our choruses. And it's certainly not what the Bible tells us. Now, most of you know this uh, verse that I'm going to put up. And if you don't know it, I, uh, I ask you to try and memorise it because it's one of the only verses that I can quote. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And it says, for God so loved the world, that's everybody, no exceptions. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes, and that is whoever's committed and follows him, shall not perish but have eternal life. And uh, it's in the minds of most people, John 3.16. There is, no, there is no doubt, is there? When you read that, there is no doubt. All scripture is there for us to digest, uh, take in. God's word is for each one of us. It's not for someone else. It's for us and we should own it and act on it. Now we're going to look at today's reading and it's from Hebrews. In this book the writer is explaining the superiority of Jesus. He's superior to the angels, 
He's superior to Moses. He's superior to the prophets. And the verses we're going to look at today is all about the comparison between the old covenant and the superior new covenant that Jesus gave us. It's from Hebrews 9, 19 to 28. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool and branches of hyssop and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the, new, of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood that is not his own. Otherwise Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Back in those days, blood played a big part in cleansing of everything. Everything used in the ceremonies, conducted by the priests. And in a way, we, we think today it, it uh, might offend our sensibilities. The thought of the blood of the calf being sprinkled over everything around here just seems just a bit gross. Of course, some people can be quite ill at the sight of blood. It made me stop and think about the series of Doc Martin that some of you have probably seen on TV. And uh, the fact that um, uh, as a top surgeon, he had to give that away and become a town GP because he developed a phobia at the sight of blood. And even then he had to fight off nausea when dealing with a cut finger. So why is blood so important? We go back to verse 22 and it says, In fact the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. Being shed, blood being shed is proof of death and death is required to end sin as you know in communion we drink from the cup a cup that contains a symbol of God's blood 
of, sorry, of the blood of Jesus, which was shed for each one of us on the cross. And when we are made righteous through prayer and worship, we are washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Now we look at 1 Peter 1, 18, 19. God paid a, pri- a, a, a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven which your fathers tried to take. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, as you very well know, but he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. The blood of Jesus Christ is absolutely the most precious gift God has offered us. Now Paul in Romans 6 tells us the wages of sin is death. Back in those days, having to sacrifice animals, people through their sin earned death. Hence, an animal had to die. And another question pops up, and that is, why is the wages of sin death? You know, if I commit a sin, like tell a lie or maybe assault someone, isn't it a bit over the top that I've earned death? Well, crime in most countries isn't dependent on your actions, but who it is against. You know, if I punch, uh, say, Jeff on the nose, I might get one back, but I might get arrested, go to court, and uh, get a slap on the wrist. But if I was to punch a policeman on the nose, now that is a tad more serious. Sorry, Jeff. Um, And as you can see, if I was to uh, attack the Prime Minister or even the Queen, you can see that it gets more and more serious the higher up the table I go. When we sin, no matter how trivial, and we think what we say, a sin is a sin, we are rebelling against God, against our Creator, against the one who gave us life. Years ago, treason against a government usually meant the death penalty. Well, treason against the one who made us and enables us to live quite rightly carries the death penalty. Some might say, um, isn't God a little bit more compassionate and uh, merciful than that? And uh, he is a gracious and loving God, but he's also a God of justice. He is a mighty, awesome God who deserves their ultimate reverence and worship. Quite rightly, the penalty stands. Another thing, Paul tells us in Romans 3, all of us fall short of the standard set by Jesus. We do not and cannot earn salvation by keeping the Old Testament law 
or by simply being a good person. We fail every time. It is our nature to sin. It's only through God sacrificing his son Jesus in our place that we can acquire complete forgiveness. We can all attain this by accepting Jesus as our saviour and accepting that he shed his blood to atone for the sins of all who repent. Now when I look back at the times of the Old Testament and read what people had to go through to seek forgiveness every time they sinned. How blessed are we that Jesus, by his death on the cross, bore that for us? The wages, wages of death, oh, sorry, the wages of sin is still death, but the price has been paid for us all, for all time. And there's something very important. The atonement of Jesus sets our faith apart from all other religions. No other religion has God reaching down from heaven to sacrifice his son to save the world. And all who repent and commit to Jesus receive this free gift of salvation through God's love, mercy and grace. The atonement of Jesus, without doubt, was the most important event ever to, ever to have happened in the world. And what it achieved was immeasurable. This is the account of his death in Matthew 27, 45 to 54. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, some words in Hebrew, <laughs> which mean, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now some commentators say, or say that the darkness that prevailed for three hours was God's judgment over Jesus as he carried the sins of the world. When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge, he filled it with white vinegar, put it on the staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up, gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And we, we all hear about this curtain being torn from top to bottom and it symbolised that communication between God and his people was now at a new level. Instead of going through the priests, everyone had the opportunity to talk to God one-to-one. Everyone could now have a relationship with him. And it is now on a much more personal level. What happened when that barrier was removed? 
the people were blessed and we are still blessed today. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs of and the tombs broke open the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life they came out of the tombs after Jesus's resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people there was an earthquake no one was left in any doubt that it was a significant event taking place and then through Jesus's death and resurrection death was defeated Everyone now has eternal life and it will be with Jesus if that's who we choose. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. The power of Christ's atonement is available to each of us. But we have to choose to make it work in our life. When we do take Jesus into our hearts, we are transformed with the opportunity to live as his image. Our aim should be to live a life that exhibits grace compassion and humility at all times. This is the example Jesus gave to us. It's full of love, hope and peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a great, great God and we just find it difficult to fully comprehend just how much love and grace you have for us. We thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for Jesus Christ and that he sacrificed himself on the cross. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that he, he rose again and is with you in heaven speaking for us. Jesus has done it all for us. Through him we have been saved. Through him we have a relationship with you, our Father. And through him uh, we can now feel and know the love that you have for us. Help us, Lord. Help us to be the person you plan us to be. We bless you, Lord, as you bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.